Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest Toothpaste, Secret Deodorant, Old Spice Deodorant, or Gillette Razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. There is a whole lot going on on, you you know what, you know what, enough, enough from me. I've talked enough on this show. This episode, I only want to hear from you. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Senator, I can't, I say this with no false modesty. I've been asking too many questions of late. We have not been taking nearly enough questions from the mailbag of our wonderful Verdict subscribers who regularly leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, which we greatly appreciate, if you wouldn't mind doing that right now, who subscribe to us on YouTube, who listen to us on all of the podcasting apps that they have. So what do you say? Should we should we just make this all about the mailbag? I think that's a great idea, but I will say when you talk about YouTube subscribers, as of this week, we're at 194,000, which means we're just 6,000 short of 200,000. It'd be nice to break that mark. I'm not saying you have to. Just throwing that out there, folks. We would love it if you would go and subscribe, particularly now when big tech is trying to suppress all of the conservative voices. Without further ado, Senator, first question from Mark. This is, this is a little bit of a flattering question for us, so that's obviously why I wanted to choose it first. Uh, Mark writes, I just watched that hearing with Dr. Fauci. Uh, I've just been seeing the Wuhan Institute in the news. I've just been seeing reports about U.S. funding of Wuhan Institute research. Where did I hear about all of that? Oh, that's right. Last year on Verdict with Ted Cruz. Keep up the great work. Love the show. I guess that's not really a comment. I suppose that's just a uh, applaud it, but I'll take it. You're right. A year ago on Verdict, we talked about the Wuhan Institute for Virology. We don't know for sure if, if that's the source of the virus. Why? Because the Chinese government destroyed all the records and prevents anyone from actually determining what happened in the Wuhan Institute for Virology. But today, 
uh, my colleague, Senator Rand Paul, had a, had a very effective series of questions with Anthony Fauci where he asked him about, you know, do you regret the NIH giving a bunch of money for the Wuhan Institute for Virology? And Fauci, you want to talk about someone who's just unrepentant. He almost said to, to, to Rand, screw you, because everything about Fauci's demeanor and temperament <laughs> was, uh, you know, uh, you know, it reminded me of like uh, a, a, a guy in Goodfellas, so, you know, <laughs> hurling Italian curse words at Rand. And, and Michael, I don't don't mean to upset you by by suggesting that that, that that Italians can curse. Yeah, I've never heard it. The defiance of it. I mean, I mean, I mean, Fauci, like l- l- like doesn't apologize for sending a bunch of money to Wuhan, doesn't express any responsibility. I think it is more likely than not that the virus escaped from one of those two labs. It's not proven, it's circumstantial, but the odds are exceptionally daunting that you would have labs studying this exact kind of virus exactly where the outbreak occurs and there not be a connection. And I think we need to have a serious, credible investigation to figure it out. And Fauci doesn't seem remotely concerned. He he changes what he says seemingly every week. And every time he says it, he is confident as hell until next week he says something different. Of course. And he'll have the same confidence that following week. You know, this this observation, this strange coincidence of the presence of the Wuhan Institute of Virology right where the virus was found, right near this supposedly awful wet market. 400 bloody yards. 400 yards. That ain't far. Yes. This is being called a conspiracy theory. It was being called a conspiracy theory last year, more than a year ago now, I guess, when we were speaking about it. And uh, you know how much I hate to say we told you so, but I I am pleased that we talked about it on the show. Well, and you remember, Michael, we we talked about how the Washington Post and other reporters tried to refute the, quote, conspiracy theory. And their refutation was that if you looked at the genetic markers, and this is where it's dangerous to have a lawyer pretending to talk about science, because I'm not a medical doctor or virologist, but the Washington Post reported that if you looked at the genetic markers, they didn't believe it was a virus that was constructed in a lab, but rather one that occurred naturally uh, in in nature. And so they said, oh, the theory that it escaped from the lab lab is bogus. Look, I find that plausible. Could it have been constructed in the lab? Sure. And I think that needs to be investigated. But I find it an entirely plausible hypothesis that this was a naturally occurring virus that they discovered in a cave uh, in China. And by the way, the bats in question have caves 900 miles away from the wet market. Right, right. So it, it, last I checked, most bats don't fly 900 miles to hang out in a wet market and spread a pandemic. But I think the most likely hypothesis is they were studying a naturally occurring virus in the lab and somebody was sloppy. Do I believe the Chinese government deliberately released this? Probably not. I don't think the chances are zero, but I think the most likely thing is someone was sloppy and either an animal or person got it. It spread outside the lab. And then what the Chinese government did do is cover it up, hide it, arrest the whistleblowers, do everything they could to suppress it, which allowed it to become a pandemic and spread across the globe. Next question from Thomas. I would like to hear the senator's prediction on the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment theoretically stops taxpayer dollars from going to fund abortion. Obviously, money is fungible. So if money is going to an abortion organization, then, uh, you know, obviously they're going to they're going to spend the money. Uh, But uh, this is now coming under threat by Democrats, including Joe Biden, who for years said 
They support the Hyde Amendment. Now they're against it. Yeah, look, I'm very concerned about the Hyde Amendment. If you look at today's Democrats, they're radicalized. They're radicalized on on virtually every issue. You know, we've talked in this podcast about the book I wrote a few months ago called One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. Uh, There's a chapter in that book on abortion, on life. And it talks about how today's Democrats, their position is they support unlimited abortion on demand up until the moment of birth, partial birth abortion, with no parental notification, with no parental consent, and with full taxpayer funding, with the taxpayers paying for the abortion. And that view is so extreme, 9% of Americans agree with it. So 91% of Americans disagree with the unlimited radical abortion view that, that right now is the view of just about every Democratic politician in Washington. Um, when it comes to the Hyde Amendment, Democrats want your tax dollars to pay for abortions across the country. We're seeing Joe Biden through executive orders and through regulatory action trying to expand that. And and we're also seeing the Democrats, and they're using the vehicle of budget reconciliation to try to get around the filibuster and to ram through funding that ignores the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment has been the consensus for decades in Washington. Although people can disagree on the question of abortion and protecting life, and and you and I are both strongly pro-life, there used to be a wide consensus that it wasn't fair to use taxpayer funds to pay for abortion, to force people who are pro-life to pay for taking the lives of unborn children. Today's Democrats, they don't care about that consensus consensus because they've been radicalized. So I think that question is a a very real and, and, and active threat. Right. Yeah, this was always the fear of the the safe, legal, and rare line from Democrats, which never made a lot of sense. If abortion is morally comparable to murder, then it shouldn't be legal. If it's if it's not, if it's just a, a choice and has no effect on anyone else, then it shouldn't be rare. But that at least was the consensus for a long time. And uh, but it, it would appear that we're we've ditched the rare part <laughs> part of that argument. Yeah, I mean that's no longer. Bill Clinton said that in the State of the Union address. There's I, I don't know of a Democrat in the Senate who believes that. Yeah, that's no longer their position. Yep. Uh, it, it, it is unlimited abortion on demand. And by the way, when we have votes on things and I talk about this in one vote away, when we have votes on things like the pain capable legislation, which is legislation that says unborn children after 20 weeks of development, the science shows uh, that 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 unborn child can feel pain, that that he or she writhes in pain during abortion, writhes in agony, and it's it's a limitation on late term abortions when the unborn child can feel pain. The Democrats vote party line against that restriction. They're they're perfectly happy with partial birth abortion, late term abortion. Most Americans are not, but today's congressional Democrats listen to the radical activists and not actual voters back home. Very practical question from Real Truth Cactus, who I suppose is our colleague on the show. I can't believe that the cactus would write into the show this way. Uh, The cactus asks, what are some practical things everyday Americans can do to protect their financial well-being in economically chaotic times such as these? I think inflation is a real risk. Um, That means to the extent you can limit your exposure to variable interest rates. That's a good thing. Um, I think we are likely to see interest rates rising significantly. We're likely to see 
mortgage rates rising significantly. We're likely to see the cost of goods rising significantly. Um, when you have Joe Biden and the Democrats proposing $6 trillion in new spending, uh, I think there's a good chance that's going to prove significantly inflationary. So to the extent you can hedge yourself against that, 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 that is a good thing. You know, I think we've got cross-cutting economic factors right now. On the plus side, we just went through a year where the entire economy was shut down and we artificially basically froze our GDP and we had a double-digit decrease in GDP. The fact that we've got vaccines now and the economy is opening up means we're seeing economic growth. We're seeing the economy come back significantly. The countervailing factors on that are, number one, I'm hearing over and over again from small businesses and employers that, that the federal government is paying people more not to work than to work, and they're having a very hard time getting employees to come back because, you know, if you pay people not to work, wonder of wonders, they actually don't work. I also think the massive taxes and regulations coming from the Biden administration are going to hammer uh, hammer the economy. And so you've got kind of two vectors. One, the economy taking off because it's reopening. Two, the taxes and regulations pushing it down. How that plays out exactly, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to, to uh, have a crystal ball on the economy, but I think I, I, I would... I would expect some real volatility. And so, you know, to the extent you can save, to the extent you can invest in investments that, that, that are guarded against inflation, and that often, often includes things like real estate, includes things like commodities, like gold and silver, where if there's inflation, real estate or gold and silver are likely to go up to, 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 to go along with in, in, inflation. I think those are all sensible. But, but with the caveat that, I ain't your fiduciary, and and if you're taking financial advice from a a lawyer and Supreme Court litigator who's a senator, um, you, you might want to rethink your financial priorities to begin with. Well, I'll tell you, Senator, I I just assumed you would tell people to invest everything in Dogecoin or something. You know that that was always my really stable investment strategy. And uh, depending on the hour of the day, I'm either bankrupt or a trillionaire. Yeah, I I, I got to admit, Michael. So the whole Bitcoin, Dogecoin. I have some friends who've invested in it who've actually done quite well, yeah. and they've encouraged me. I have not invested anything in it. Maybe I'm a fool. No, nor nor have I. I don't really understand it. I, I don't really understand it. And I'm, you know, worried. You know, you look at like Holland and the tulip bulb mania, where tulip bulbs got bid up and up and up and up, and it be, it became a a bubble, and then it all cratered, and everyone lost everything. And 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 maybe I'm just a Luddite and I don't understand that Bitcoin is the future. I think it's fine if people want to do it. I'm, I'm quite libertarian about it. But in terms of my assets to invest, I don't like to invest in things that I don't fully understand. And I will readily admit, I, I don't feel, fully understand the Bitcoin world. Well, I don't know about you. I think the bulbs are coming back. I'm very long tulip, but uh, well, I guess only time will tell. Uh, b- before <laughs> we go, this, this question actually is incendiary, but I find it difficult to answer. This is from Chelsea, who says, hey, Michael, big fan of the show. Which president is worse, Joe Biden or Woodrow Wilson? All right. So as you know, Woodrow Wilson, I have a slight bias towards because he was president of Princeton University and I am a Princeton alum. It's true. Although I'll tell you, you want to talk about something irritating. So when I was in college, I was a college debater. Um, as you know, I was one of the cool kids. 
Yeah. <laughs> Going to all those cool debate parties every weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Very, very impressive. Red Solo cups, <laughs> kegs of stale beer, you know, really cutting edge stuff. So the debating society at Princeton is called the American Whig Classophic Society. And it was actually two different societies. One was the American Whigs. The other was the Classophic Society. They're all, they're both over 200 years old. One, the American Whigs, was founded by James Madison, the father of the Constitution. Philosophic Society was founded by William Patterson. The two merged, and today, the Philosophic Society are the conservatives and the Whigs are the liberals. I actually find it ironic because James Madison, the founder of the Whigs, I agree with on practically everything. But when I was in college, I was chairman of the Philosophic uh, Society, so the conservative part of the debating society. And in 2016, Wig Clio uh, awarded me their James Madison Medal for for public service. While well, following the whole uh, January 6th thing and the the left and the academic world going into a, uh, a a fit and screaming insurrection and and doing it completely disconnected to actual facts of, right. of what I did as a senator. Uh, giving a speech on the Senate floor and urging for a commission to examine electoral fraud, uh, claims of election fraud. Yeah. The students voted to rescind my James Madison award, um, which which frankly kind of irritated me uh, that you have a bunch of lefty students who decided we want to rescind the award. The trustees of Wig Clio actually vetoed the students' decision, so they didn't in fact rescind my award, but the students voted and it was apparently a pretty close vote. It was something like 36 to, 37 to 35 or something like that. So all of which is a digression to say Woodrow Wilson, before he was president, was governor of New Jersey. Before he was governor of New Jersey, he was president of Princeton University. So I have some mild predilection towards Wilson. That being said, Wilson was an avowed racist, um, which is consistent with a lot of Democrats. He aired uh, a film about the Ku Klux Klan in the White House. He was a massive progressive. He pushed the League of Nations. He pushed the Federal Reserve. He pushed the income tax. He did a lot of damage. So Wilson set up the disaster that that that, that, that has befallen us. That being said, what Joe Biden is doing, he has handed the government over to Schumer and Pelosi and to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC. And they're pushing the most radical agenda. We're 100 days in. There's never been a president with a more radical agenda than we've seen these first 100 days. So as problematic as Wilson is, and and Wilson did a lot of damage, I am not a Woodrow Wilson fan. Um, I think Biden, if he succeeds with the radical agenda that's coming from Bernie and AOC and Elizabeth Warren, would do even more damage to the country than Wilson did. And you're you're seeing in some ways Woodrow Wilson is this progressive genius who sets up, you know, progressivism in the federal government. Uh, but now you're seeing the flowering of that. So Joe Biden, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's uh, a deeply read man. I don't think he's particularly uh, scholarly. I'm not telling tales at a school here. He's, he's had some issues with his academic claims over the years. But he is, as you say, boring but radical. He's kind of the flowering of that. So I, I would have to agree. And Senator, before we go, just to give you one more book club, it occurred to me when you mentioned the very tense vote between the trustees of the society that that vote was very nearly 
one vote away. If only they had read your book, perhaps they would have understood the law better, <laughs> the matters at stake. Uh, we, ha- we have to hold it there. We look forward to taking more mailbag questions from our wonderful subscribers very soon. Please uh, send those in. If you happen to leave a five-star review on Apple while you do that, if you happen to get us over that hurdle on YouTube by subscribing, that would be terrific. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. It's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.